Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Still a lot of conversation, even in pro sports towns, about the college football playoff decision over the weekend. Uh, We're going to get to that with Jason Horowitz and a lot more. Jason joins us courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Jason is the voice, the radio play-by-play voice for the Las Vegas Raiders. Jason, I actually, I'm very familiar with your work and we've had you on this show before. I actually didn't know until Denton just told me. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought Musburger was still the voice of the Raiders. <laughs> is this your first year doing Raiders on, on radio, or w- it, it, did Brent leave two years ago? This is my second. This is my second. Okay. So like all those, the Chandler Jones play last year, the Josh Jacobs 86-yard overtime uh, yeah. in Seattle. I, I had a wonderful indoctrination into crazy finishes in my first year in the NFL. <laughs> well, the, um, we, the we Chandler Jones finish leads. in particular, that's one of the craziest in recent years. Yeah, I, you know, I did my best to channel my Sean McDonough in the Michigan, Michigan State where the punt was dropped. <laughs> yeah. uh, and actually, Sean, I've known Sean for a long time because he's a Syracuse guy too. And, you know, was, he's always great with Syracuse students. And, and so he actually texted me that, that next morning. He's like, oh. I did, he, he also didn't know I had taken over for Brent. And he yells, he's like, it's good to know you've got some McDonough in you. <laughs> so, because, uh, you know, practicing cracking your voice is really a good thing in play-by-play these days. So, <laughs> uh, so I had that last year. Every, every single time we have Sean on, we play that play from the Michigan-Michigan State game. But, Denton, you've got to find the call of that Chandler Jones. That game, if my recollection is correct, it was like about to go to overtime and New England starts flipping it around like they've got a score, like it's the last play and they're behind. And then, you know, uh, Jones picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown. It was just the oddest of plays and, and a Bill Belichick blunder, end of game blunder for sure. You know what the irony, Kev, is that, so the guy who throws the pass, so it's, it's the guy from New England, who gets a uh, you know a, a lateral and he throws it to midfield, looking for Mac Jones to keep it going. And the irony is, it's Jacoby Myers who threw the pass, who now leads the Raiders Plays in touchdown Raiders. receptions this year. Yeah. <laughs> he's got yeah. seven total touchdowns, which is the most in the Raiders this season. So there's an irony there, but uh, uh, yeah, it was it was nuts, no question. So who's going to coach the Raiders next year? Oh, I don't know. Me, you, my ten year old daughter uh, asked if she could do an interview. Um, she, she wonders if she's a good coach. I listen, I actually think Antonio Pierce has done a great job. Now is, is his energy and his enthusiasm 
and his relatability to the player is going to be enough. I don't know. Um, but Antonio Pierce has been very well liked uh, over the course of really this whole season and last, but, but certainly since he took over for Josh McDaniels. You can feel a different energy. It's, it's weird because, you know, you can certainly feel a different energy. You can certainly feel that there's a different uh, intensity and that there's a different level of enjoyment among the players. But the, but the strange part is, is that the product, at least offensively, is still the same. You know, uh, the, the biggest complaint with Josh McDaniels outside of the, how the players felt and all those other things is that, you know, offensively, they had not scored 20 points in a game from the offense. And the reality is, is game number one with, with Antonio Pierce, they come out and they score 30. But in the three games since, they have not scored 20 against the Jets, Dolphins, or Chiefs. And so you know, the product itself, although it looks different, feels different, is still kind of the same. And so that's, I think, the task over the course of the next five games is, A, can they win? But, B, can it seem different uh, moving forward? And, and if the answer is yes, I think he's going to get a great shot, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We've, we've referenced the Raider games here recently because Aiden O'Connell started that game against the Giants, uh, and it wasn't like it was a lights-out performance, but they, you guys rolled the Giants, and then Washington gets dump-trucked by, by Tommy DeVito uh, a week later. And then really recently, you know, the, the Raiders' effort against the Dolphins defensively was as good as any we've seen you know, in recent weeks, and Washington just gave up. You know, Miami literally could have gotten 60 Sunday if they hadn't taken their foot off the pedal. Yeah, well, and I feel like a lot of people have been able to do that against Washington, and that was before Chase yeah. Young and, and Montez Sweat were traded. So, right. you know, it's been, you know, certainly it's going to be a full reset for the commanders and, and all, and I don't think that's a shock. Um, and, and obviously firing Jack Del Rio was just a, at the moment a, a temporary placeholder. But, I, you know, the Aiden O'Connell, it's interesting because the first quarter, is, and, and for the Giants game the whole first half, it was 24 nothing at the half. The, the, the first quarters against Miami and Kansas City have been unbelievable. Against the Dolphins, he was 9 of 10 for 100 and some yards and a touchdown pass. Against the Chiefs, I think he was 11 of 12 for 103 and, uh, and a touchdown pass on the opening drive. And, you know, it's 14 nothing three minutes into the second quarter, and it should have been 17 because Daniel Carlson doesn't miss any field goals inside of 50, and he missed a 30-yarder. So it should have been 17 nothing Wow. With 12 minutes to go in the second quarter, it was 14 nothing, and then they get outscored 31-3. to um, But even saying that, Raiders fans have seen that before because last year, week five in Kansas City, Raiders were up 17 nothing, and they lose that game 30-29. to So, you know, Raiders have seen that movie too. Um, I, I think Aiden O'Connell on, on scripted you know, parts of the game has been great. The problem for the Raiders, and this is a problem that goes back to last year too, is the second halves have not been the same. And that's, and that's unfortunately been the biggest problem for them since I took over as a football guy. <laughs> Maybe it's my fault. What is the length of Garoppolo's deal? So he signed a three-year deal, they, and, and it wasn't all guaranteed, but they restructured the deal at the beginning part of the season to free up some more immediate cap space. So, you know, if they wanted to cut him here in the offseason, and I don't know if it's a pre- or a post-June 1st deadline, they'd be on the hook for 22, 23, mm. 24, something like that in dead money. Right. Um, so it's a lot. You know, it's not it's – not, team uh detrimental but but it is certainly a lot of money if they're going to cut him here in the offseason 
All right, we're talking to Jason Horowitz. He calls Raiders games, but he's also uh, a big voice in college football. So let's just go back to you know Sunday at 12. Uh, I want to get your reaction. We've had a lot of discussion about it uh, the, the last two days. Florida State not getting in, Bama getting in. You think what? Yeah, well, can I give you the metaphor about how I felt about it on Sunday? But I didn't realize it till Monday. So Monday afternoon, I'm getting ready to do a show with our buddy Ben Hartsock on, on Sirius XM. And it's like 18 minutes before we're on the air, and I see this woman walking her dog outside our lawn, and the dog stops to take a poop on our lawn. And I'm like, oh. But then I see her, but then I see her like take the, take the plastic bag out of, her, out of her fanny pack, and she picks up the dog's poop on our lawn. I'm like, all right, well, they did, the same, they did what they're supposed to, right? The dog's supposed to go to the bathroom. The woman's supposed to pick it up. Everybody did what they're supposed to. And then I still didn't feel good about it. And I think that's how I felt about the college football playoff committee. <laughs> like, I think Alabama is that's better not than bad. State, that's right? not like that. That no, because because you're. First of all, I hate when dogs actually come and poop on my lawn. But as long do. as they're doing what they're supposed to do, what are you right. going to do? The dog's got to go. I have, we have dogs, and I love dogs, and sometimes I'm the one walking the dog. And I know somebody in that house might be looking out saying, oh, God, right. couldn't you have waited exactly. until you got to the park or whatever? But they did, and this has been my contention all week, it doesn't feel right but they, based on if you read through what the criteria is, and I have a feeling 75% of the people arguing this, Jason, have not read through the protocol and the criteria. Yeah. They did what they were supposed to do, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, so here's the problem, though. Like, that's how I feel about it. That's how I felt about it Monday. I felt yucky. I did. I'm not sure they're wrong, but I felt yucky. And that's why that metaphor kind of just struck me. Because, but, like, but like here's, here's the problem. There's multiple problems, right? Number one, uh, Florida State still went undefeated. The ACC did go six and four against the SEC. Florida State, you know, beat LSU, didn't give up a single point to Jane Daniels in the second half. They beat him by three touchdowns. And, and everyone's talking about how Alabama beat Georgia, which is why they're the, you know, one of the four best teams, but they're ignoring the fact that it was a thir- fourth and 31 against Auburn, and that's a bad Auburn team. They're ignoring the fact that they beat a Bad, and I mean bad Arkansas team by a field goal. They're ignoring the fact, yes, I know the weather was bad, but they were awful against the middle-of-the-pack American Athletic Conference team in South Florida. You know, so all of those games are just being ignored. Texas A&M, right, 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, whatever they were, they beat them by less than a touchdown. Like, they're ignoring all of that to just go to the fact that they beat Georgia, but they're putting Florida State in that they only beat Louisville by 10. Uh, with a third-string quarterback, and is like, well, this is why Florida State can't get in. The problem with all of that is that, first of all, Florida State was going to have their second-string quarterback returning. He was out with a concussion, but he was going to return. So maybe the offense with him would have been a lot better. We don't know, but you can't say that it wouldn't be. And you're ignoring the fact that the rest of that defense is a top-five defense. You're ignoring the fact that those running backs are are – you know, uh, college football playoff worthy running backs. And so, and the receivers, certainly they're going to be top, you know, first, second, third round pick. So you're ignoring all of that to just say the quarterback. And it wasn't even going to be that quarterback who played in the playoffs. So I, I think the committee got it wrong. I really do. I think they got it very wrong. Uh, but it doesn't matter because the system as we've, and we've known this for a long time. It's just that the committee was never put in a position to be this wrong and make it hard. Uh, but that's how the playoff was set up. The playoff was always set up to leave somebody out. 
And it was just not until the final year of the system that, that, that the playoff got into a spot where they were going to be wrong one way or the other. It's so funny because you just went from this wonderful metaphor to they not resembling the metaphor because you think they I were know. dead wrong, I do. Um, even <laughs> though they picked the poop off uh, off the ground with a bag and did the right thing. So you you said a lot of things there, and I I just I've had. I mean, Denton and I have talked about this. My middle son thinks it's the worst outrage in the history of, of sports. And we, we were screaming last night about some of the things that you just said. And he said, Dad, we watched Bama all year. They hung on for dear life against Arkansas. They were down 20-7 to against Tennessee at halftime. Right. You didn't mention That's that one. Um, the That's Auburn 4th right. and 31. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, at the same time, you could also, and you didn't go here, you could say, well, maybe Georgia really wasn't the number one team ultimately because they lost to a Bama team that needed a fourth and 31 that had a close game against Arkansas that was down by 13 at home against Tennessee. Um, and and who did they beat? They beat Missouri and Ole Miss. You know, they, we knew that the, the Georgia schedule was a little bit fraught, you know, at the beginning of the year. But at the same time, Here's the issue. First of all, if we want to play that game, Florida State was lucky, lucky to beat Boston sure. College earlier yep. in the year. They were in a really tight game with Miami. I watched the Pitt game, and that was a competitive game for a while. But it does all of that doesn't matter with Florida State, Jason. The bottom line is uh, all of us who are college football fans – we saw the quarterback, Tate Rotemaker, who was likely going to play in the playoff. We saw him against arguably the worst defense if LSU wasn't in the SEC. Without their quarterback, by the way, in that game, Graham Mertz. And they were helpless offensively. Helpless. Uh, I agree. I agree. And, and that's and, what know, they based it on. I, I, I agree with that and first start. But let me ask you something. How many quarterbacks in their first career start? True. Would do really, really, really well on the road in the swamp? And the answer to that is, I don't know, probably not a ton. Um, and, and to your point, like 24 points is not a, a helpless number, but they passed for 134 yards. They rushed for 90 yards. They didn't have 250. So, like, that, the total numbers and all that stuff are, are all parts of that. They I, would not have won that game all. with Graham Mertz playing on the other side. No, no, probably not. No, Max yeah. Brown was terrible. Max Brown yeah. was terrible. So you're probably you are probably right about that. So again, all of that is true, which is why I went with the with the dog metaphor. Um, right. But but at the same time, like you know, the arguments of hey, how do we tell everybody? I, I guess this is what it is, and this is part. You know, my big problem with college athletics as a whole right now is not the new. It's not the kids in the NIL. It's not the ability to transfer. My big problem in college athletics is more about the people complaining about college athletics. And telling you, because it's a lot oh, of the same people. God, insufferable. The people, the people telling you that college athletics as it is now is quote unquote wrong, but then they go out and do the same, you know, hypocritical aspects to it as well. You know, coaches telling you, oh, transfer portal is ruining college athletics, all while that they are helping build NIL and taking transfers left and right, right? They're not abiding by their same thoughts. Well, you know, I have to do it, otherwise I'm not going to, you know, whatever. You know, they're telling you that. Kids ask or, or, or being able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness or because they're good at sports is wrong, but them signing $100 million contracts is right. You know, like it's more wrong with how we all as a society are view college athletics or sports as a whole and while the level of where we place them at and the importance 
uh, as opposed to what's actually happening when people within that society are starting to benefit from it. So my, it, I, I bring that up for multiple reasons, but I bring that up because the same people who tell you that moving to a 12-team college football playoff is wrong because it's going to eliminate the importance of every game are the ones then turning around and screaming, well, Alabama should be in over Texas because clearly they're better than Texas now, right? And it didn't matter because they're both in, but, but it's the same people telling you that. So uh, that's the problem I have with college athletics. It was a system that's built to fail, and it did. Yeah, I actually thought you were going in a different direction. I thought you were going to talk about, you know, lawsuits and threats and class actions and it's like and that this is somehow the ruination of the sport (laughs) i i would argue that the controversy associated with this is actually in many ways good for the sport um but uh but look well well wait a second is it good for the popularity because everyone's talking about it or 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 is sure. that there anyway? I don't know. I think whenever sure there's this kind of, you know, true visceral reaction and a subsequent debate about it, I think that that's positive, uh, a positive for the sport. Uh, I think there, there are a lot of people that aren't the hardcore college football fans that you are, that Denton is, that I am, that now will actually really pay attention. And even to that Georgia-Florida State game, you know, and we'll yeah. be rooting for Florida State. Um, and and here's, here's the other thing, too, Jason. Just because, like college basketball fans, we all know there's always these debates about the bubble teams that got in versus those that didn't and those that got screwed. We're going to have the same thing with the last at large team and the two that got left out moving forward. And that'll be sure. good for the sport. I agree with that. And, and, you know, the ones who argue that, hey, the Ohio State Michigan game that we saw two weeks ago won't matter the same because both teams would get in the playoff. And that is true. You also can say that, well, wait a second, though. Remember, conference champions are going to have an automatic bid and the right. group of five highest. Rate. So you're going to have more games to get to the conference championship game or to have a chance at the conference championship game that are going to matter down the stretch. So while the high level two versus three won't matter the same because both will get in, there's going to be a eight versus 14 that will matter more because they'll still have a chance at the college football playoff as opposed to where it was now. So it, it, it will, all of that will, will be a wash. More games will matter in the month of November than Agreed. in years past. It's just going to be a different type of game that matters. And, that, and so you can see it from both sides. No, th- th- it's true. I mean, um, it's you said it perfectly. It's like there are going to be more games that matter during what is has been, I think, the best regular season sport of the sports that, that I follow closely. Um, but they're going to be different, right? It's not going to be a, essentially a game that knocks you out or gives you a continued chance. It's going to be a game that gets you a chance, you know, at an at-large bid. And by the way, don't forget, there will be games for seeding purposes as mm-hmm. well that end up becoming important. And every conference championship game every year will now be an automatic where they haven't been in the past. So that'll add, I think, to conference championship weekend as well. By the way, I see, and I'm surprised that there hasn't been as much outrage about this, or maybe I've missed it. I think this 12-team playoff with the quarterfinal round being in bowl games is a big whiff from two standpoints. Number one, the schools that are are seeded one through four and have a first-round bye, they're not going to get the revenue benefit of a home game. Two, from a fan perspective, 
there's nothing better than these games. Imagine the games in 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 December. You know the five through twelve. You know first round on home fields, and then advancing to home fields, and you get games in the shoe, in Death Valley. You know, in all of these places. I think that's a big whiff as far as what would be best for the fans to watch. Plus, you're putting fan bases into a quandary of picking which bowl game they're going to go to. Are they going to they going to spend their money on the quarterfinal game or are they going to wait to hope that it's the semifinals or the championship game you know spending three times for the team that ends up the two teams that make it I think affects some of the attendance at some of the quarterfinal bowl games what do you think yeah no I agree with all that I I, I think that's certainly a possibility I, I don't love I mean look I, I think one of the reasons you'd want to play for those seats is to have one of those games at home and, exactly. and I don't you know, I don't think the idea that these have to be played at, at bowl games just because bowl games are a fabric of college football's history. You know, college football is so different now than it was in its quote-unquote history anyway, so I don't think we have to pretend that that's the way to do it. Uh, because and, and, you know, I know they want to keep themselves separate from the NFL, but other than the Super Bowl, NFL teams play to have the game in their building. And, you know, you could argue, well, the infrastructure is not there to host it, but that's not true. Almost all of these towns host massive games all year long anyway. And the infrastructure with hotels and all that stuff is there to host however many people are in those stadiums um, throughout the course of a regular season. So I don't really think this is that drastically different, um, but but maybe there is that. I I I don't think they're going to have a problem filling up quarterfinal venues because because people are going to go. I just hope that the ticket prices uh, and I realize in saying this that I'm not going to be right about this, but how many people can really afford? five seven eight hundred dollar ticket prices for a game that they're gonna have to shell out two more times um i say that in that the people are doing it now to go to the semis and the championship anyway so they're going to continue to do it to go (laughs) these two uh and as long as people continue to pay for it and go it's going to continue to be this way anyway by the way just real quickly next year will it be this weekend the army navy weekend or the weekend that follows that we get the first round five versus 12 Uh, six 11 7 10 8 9 I, I don't remember. I thought the first round is the weekend after Army Navy, and okay. then the second, or maybe the first round is. Let's see, it's one, two, three. I believe the semis are going to be after New Year's Day or on New Year's Day, and then the championship will be a week to ten days later, and that the first two rounds will be before New Year's. So probably round one. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember the exact I, dates that they proposed. Yeah, now, now that, that, that I'm thinking about it, New you're Year's right. Day, if you've yeah, if you've got oh, it's it's available somewhere. Denton, see if you can find it. Denton, do you know what the answer is? Sorry, say that again. When <laughs> when will the first round be next year? Will it be this weekend, the Army Navy weekend, or the weekend that follows? Is it two weeks after Championship weekend or the week after? I, b- I believe it's two weeks after Championship weekend, but I can double check. Okay. Um. Uh... Yeah. Be- yeah, I got it. Uh, here it is. I got, I got it. it. Oh, here we go. I got, I got it. it. It's, I got it. The first round. The first round is going to be one game on Friday, December twentieth, and three games on Saturday, December twenty first. The quarterfinals will be New Year's Eve and New yeah, Year's it's Day. Later than I thought. The yep. semifinal. So everything is being pushed back a week. The championship yeah. is going to be during the playoffs on January twentieth. The semis are going to be when we currently have the championship, January 9th and January. By the way, one of the semis is going to be a Friday night. The Cotton Bowl, January 10th, 2025, will be a Friday night. 
Well, what we're talking, I think one of the things I was thinking about too, I, I think this semifinal thing, look, it's been great. We wanted something other than the BCS title game, but there's so much time elapsed between conference championship weekend and these semifinal games. Oh, it sure. becomes a little bit, I think, for sports fans inundated with football, you know, at that time of the year anyway, a little bit anticlimactic. And I think that they lose a little bit of momentum by not starting. And you just pulled up the schedule, and I was pulling it up simultaneously. It's going to be not the Army-Navy weekend, not the weekend after. It'll be three weeks after conference championship weekend that you get the first round. I I think they should have started it earlier. But what do I know? I'm sure they have reasons for it. Um, We're talking to Jason Horowitz, and we're talking college football, and we've talked about now you know, past, present, uh, or you know, future. Let's talk about what we did get, all right? Uh, Michigan-Bama and Texas, Washington. First of all, let me ask you this. I am going to go back a little bit. What was the most impressive win of conference championship weekend for you? Um, ooh, good question. I think Washington. Yes. I, I think Washington was the most impressive win. I, and, and, and I didn't think they'd lose by, uh, by double figures like the spread was, but I, didn't, I also wasn't positive they'd win. Um, but, you know, look, they proved time and time again – that they were the best team. I they were the best team in college football this year, at least resume wise. Uh, and and maybe they're the best team, you know, as a team. I don't I don't know the, I don't know, and we'll find out when they play Texas. But like, um, their win against Oregon to like to to reaffirm what you've already done during the regular season um, to get yourself into the playoff, knowing that you wouldn't have gotten in otherwise. By the way, I think that might be wrong too. When it's all said and done. Um, I think that speaks volume, and it was right from the get-go, right? They were leading Oregon at one point, 20-3 in that game, and yep. it wasn't for a couple of drives. Oregon's not really in the game at all. And so I think, I think Washington had the most impressive win. I think most would have said Alabama, but, but Washington had the most impressive win because they beat a team yeah, twice. I, I- I, I agree with that, and I think that just the the buildup for it, and I was one of the dopes on Oregon laying the big numbers. So um, yeah. I, in many ways, I wish I hadn't bet the game just to appreciate even more what Washington did against everybody in the sport that basically thought they were going to get run at, run at, out of the building and that Oregon might might be the best team in the country, You know, which a lot of people were saying at the end. All right, how do you yeah. view the two semifinal matchups? I mean, they're both good ones on paper. Well, I, I think the attention is going to be focused on Michigan, Alabama, right? It, the two of the biggest programs in college football history. Um, the fact that should Alabama have been there, should they not? Jim Harbaugh and the suspension, and you know, I mean, that press conference will be as boring as possible. Saban and Harbaugh when they're together. Uh, so you got that. Um, so I, I, I do think Michigan's the best team in the country, uh, and and obviously this is finally their opportunity to prove it. Um, they have not done well in this spot before two years ago against the SEC's best. They were completely outmanned against Georgia. I don't think that they are going to be completely outmanned this time. Question is, uh, can they contain a mobile quarterback in Jalen Milrow? So that'll certainly be a big part. And then, you know, Texas and Washington, it goes back to what we were just saying. Washington had the most impressive win of championship weekend, but I, I think most people are going to pick Texas to win. You know, Quinn Ewers has been the quarterback they've been looking for. Um, when healthy, he has been one of the best in the country, just like Michael Penix. But the the difference, like Texas is such a good run defense, and they are so athletic in their front seven. Um, it's going to be hard for Dylan Johnson, the, the Washington's running back, to really get going, I would think. 
And then that puts it all on Penix, and we'll see what he can do in this game. I, I know they've got the best receiving group when healthy in the country, and they yeah. will be healthy now after three, four weeks off. Um, but but will they be good enough on defense where they've had some struggles this year? And I guess we'll find out. I'd like to see Washington win. Um, I, I think, look, I think a Michigan-Texas is going to be a sexier national championship game. I don't know that the country wants to see an Alabama-Texas game where it's a rematch A but B, uh, 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 a conference game next year, right? So, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't think people want SEC versus future SEC. That's not what people around the country really want to see. They want to see someone beat the SEC, and, then, and I think they want to see someone beat the SEC again. So, I, I think you got that. Um, but – but I think we're going to get a Michigan-Texas national championship, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, Texas will miss Xavier Worthy, it looks like. But, um, yeah, uh, it, I like both of the matchups. Um, I think Texas, by the way, uh, as an aside, played maybe their best football in their final two games of the year with Quinn Ewers back and healthy. All right, real quickly, I've got a minute. Um, Jaden Daniels, easy on Saturday night. Yeah, the push for Jaden Daniels has been massive. Um, I I feel a little uneasy uh, in the fact that uh, that you know their biggest games. He didn't score a point in the second half against Florida State. He got hurt against Alabama, so it's not really his fault. And the in the Ole Miss right. game, it's not like you know he put up almost fifty in that game. It's not really his fault. Um, so I think statistically how crucial he was to his team. I do think he wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Bo Nix, though, 40 touchdown passes, three interceptions. I mean, that's insane. And and uh, he's you know second all-time in the history of college football, completing more than 77 of his passes. But the two biggest games of the year, he lost them both times, which then leads you to Michael Penix, and you're like, how, how does he not win it? But, like, he wasn't that big in the win against Oregon the other day. So I, I do think it becomes Jaden Daniels, uh, and, I, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, but I think there's going to be some people who don't vote him first because of the fact that they weren't close to the SEC championship game. Yeah. If that defense had just been awful instead of horrifically awful, they yeah. probably would be playing uh, on New Year's Day. Um, that's probably. how great that offense was. Uh, thanks. This was fun. I appreciate it. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep. Jason Horowitz, Horowitz everybody. We'll do some NFL power rankings next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rank them one to five. Top the power. NFL Power Rankings. All right, I am making my way through this rather long story written by Jeremy Fowler and John Kime on ESPN.com, and I'll give you some highlights here in the final segment of the show. You'll also hear what Tariq Hill said about Santana Moss. Um, that's coming up in the final segment of the show. Uh, power rankings this week in the NFL. Well, it's the easiest number one, I think, of the year. Although maybe we felt that way before their three-game losing skid with San Francisco after they annihilated the Cowboys 42-10 to on Sunday night football. But I'll start you know, at the top. San Francisco is my number one. Um, Baltimore is my number two. Uh, I think the Ravens right now, you know, the, the problem with the first two teams and then looking at kind of the next three or four is the next three or four have some pot marks now, you know, uh, Philly's defense is clearly not, um, a, a defense that you feel can, can beat and match up well with a really good team like San Francisco. We'll see what happens against Dallas, but Dallas moved the ball up and down the field against them. Look, Washington moved the ball up and uh, and down the field on Philadelphia's defense. Um, Kansas City just lost at Lambeau. They are struggling at times uh, on offense. Dallas, you know, penalizes themselves out of winning big games. So for me, San Francisco's one, Baltimore's two, and then I get to trying to rank teams that have some issues right now, at least as of this week, maybe they, you know, correct themselves. Maybe Kansas City gets on a roll. Maybe Rasheed Rice becomes that true number one wide receiver to go with Kelsey because Pacheco is an absolute beast. Uh, and their defense is good. Um, three, I'm going to leave Philly at three, Denton, for right now. Uh, they lost to the best, my number one team. I didn't drop them out of the CFP playoff. I just dropped them to three. I forget where I had them last week. I still think that they are winners and built to win in so many different ways, but I'm very concerned about them in in any kind of matchup against a good offensive team. They're going to have to match it with their offense. They're also a tired team right now, and I do attribute some of what happened on Sunday to them having really run the gauntlet here with the Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, and Niners, and now the Cowboys again. You know, getting the Niners on Sunday after the Niners were off a mini-buy, they're going to get the Cowboys off of a mini-buy as well. I'm pretty sure, didn't they get the Bills off of the Bills' bye week? I think they did. I mean, some scheduling unfairness. No, they did not get the Bills off the bye week. I was wrong about that. Um, I've got Philly at three. I've got the Chiefs at four. Um, I still don't think enough about Miami overall to put them at number four. Um, Look, Miami lost to the Chiefs. Miami lost to the Eagles. You know, the Miami, you can say, is one of those teams, kind of like the Cowboys before they beat the Seahawks, like, who have they beaten? Do you have to go back to week one for their two-point win over the Chargers? That's a losing record team. You know, they've beaten the Patriots, the Broncos, you know, when the Broncos were bad. The best teams they've played to, they lost to the Bills 48-20, to the Eagles 31-17, and the Chiefs 21-14. You know, their last three wins, the Raiders, Jets, and Washington. 
So they get the Titans and the Jets the next two weeks. We won't learn a lot really about Miami and their and the state of Miami until they face the Cowboys in that late afternoon window on Christmas Eve. And then they play Baltimore the following week and finish with Buffalo. So I don't have Miami at four. I've got KC at four. And then it came down to Miami and Dallas for five. I'm putting Miami in at five because I think they're the more explosive team, although it's close. But I think they're the better coached team. Um, And so I go Miami at five with Dallas just on the outside of that. But obviously an opportunity for the Cowboys now to really prove themselves over the next few weeks, Philly Sunday night, Buffalo the week after that, Miami and Detroit. Those are the next four games for Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys. It will also probably determine very much whether or not Dak Prescott emerges as the MVP in this league the next four weeks. So that's my top five. Denton, what's yours? So anyone that says San Francisco is not number one I think is sipping on the silly sauce. They're clearly the best team in in the National Football League. Um, I think I agree with you having Baltimore at two. It's weird. Like, I want to put Kansas City there, but what we saw on Sunday night was not the second-best team in the NFL. But I also don't feel like Baltimore is exceptionally close to San Francisco. Like, the gap between the 49ers and everybody else, to me, got very, very wide over the weekend. But I will reluctantly put Baltimore at number two. I'll stay with Kansas City at number three. I don't feel great about it, but I'll stay with them at number three. I'll move Miami to number four because I think that offense is about as explosive as you're going to find in the NFL. And then I'll put Philadelphia at number five. The only one I'm really feeling good about, though, is San Francisco at number at number one. I mean, Dallas, remember San Francisco and Baltimore, Christmas night. I mean, what a matchup uh, that will be. Could be a preview of the Super Bowl and could mean everything for number one seed uh, in the respective conference playoffs. Um, You know, I I got Dallas lurking on the outside, but we always kind of mention another team that we think, you know, you should keep an eye on. And last last week in NFL buy and sell, I bought the Packers and I thought the Packers had a chance to beat the Chiefs outright and go on a little bit of run of a run. I think the Packers are a dangerous team right now. They have a quarterback that's confident. Now, you know, they've got to be healthy at receiver. Watson's proving to be you know worthy of, of where they selected him in, in the second round last year. But look, they're going to accumulate some wins here. You know, they're going to beat the Giants, I think, on Monday night. They should. They get the Bucks at home after that, the Panthers. Then they go to Minnesota and finish with Chicago. I mean, it's very possible Green Bay is going to be favored in their final five games. Let's, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but I think they can win four of them to get to 10 wins. And then they're not going to be an easy team for a Philadelphia or a Dallas, or if they ended up in, a, in the fifth spot, which they probably won't, but they're not going to be an easy team for that third seed if they're sitting there at the sixth spot in the NFC. And that third seed could be Detroit. It could be, you know, probably would be Detroit. You'd probably see a Green Bay-Detroit first-round game. I like the Packers right now the rest of the way. They're, they're good. Uh, on defense, and Jordan Love really is looking better. Um, anybody else you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned this team a couple of times over the weeks, but there's no way that Houston's not winning double-digit games, especially when you look at the remainder of their schedule. They're on the road against the Jets, at the Titans, versus the Browns, Titans again, and then they finish the season off with the Colts. 
they're going to win that division, especially if Trevor Lawrence misses a couple of games. But even if he didn't, they, they'd push it really, really close with Jacksonville. I think they're winning double-digit games, and they're going to get a home playoff game. Yeah, crazy. Crazy what happens when you get it right at the quarterback spot early in the draft. All right, uh, there's a story that's out there that uh, I want to kind of read from a little bit re- regarding Washington and Josh Harris's involvement at the trade deadline. Um, and you'll also hear what Tariq Hill said about Santana Moss. That's next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, theteam980.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right. So, Denton, you've read the whole story uh, that came out a little bit earlier this, today. Uh, Jeremy Fowler and John Keim, our good friend from ESPN, wrote it. Um, I'm... It's long. I'm a half. I'm halfway through it. There's a lot in here on Beanie. We're gonna have to save a lot of this for tomorrow. Um, and uh, uh, there's a lot on Beanie. What you you've read the whole thing or most of it? What what's the big highlight for you? Uh, so, some of the stuff on on Beanie, uh, I thought was really telling. But when Ron's decision to fire Jack, like there's some unique details in there that I would encourage everybody to read. But it almost felt like, like I, I understand getting fired is one thing, right? But it almost felt like Jack didn't see this coming, just in their interaction. Like they, they said it was a professional, but not a warm uh, interaction. Which I guess if you're losing your job, you're not going to be chipper and happy. But it almost felt like even after the shellacking at the hands of Dallas, Del Rio still kind of thought he was going to stick around, and that maybe he thought Ron was going to be the one to go. It was a uh, that there were some details in there that I had not heard before that I that really caught my eye. Yeah, I I read that part too. Um, you know, Ron after the Thanksgiving Day loss contemplated it. Went through apparently the the drive at the end of the half after they had cut the lead to fourteen to ten and they gave up a quick touchdown right before the half that made it twenty to ten at halftime. He waited until eight a.m. the following morning. He had made up his mind. He had to check with Josh Harris. Harris said, "You do what you want to do," um, and he went in there and met with Jack. And yeah, it said it, it was. You know, uh, not the, the warmest of conversations, but very professional. Then he did the same thing with with Wieselmeyer. I think you know a lot of what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, at least as I've gotten through this, is a lot on the enemy situation. Um, 
he has been given a lot of autonomy. I mean, schedules have changed. You know, meeting times are long. Practices are long. They're they're very late at night. Not especially um, pleasing to a lot of the other coaches. Uh, there's a quote in here that the losing has amplified some of the grumbling, both about Biennemi's style and play calling. Um, you know, Biennemi is a hard charger, old school try to change the culture of what's been kind of a lax organization for too long. And apparently it may have been too much too soon for a lot of people. Remember, we heard a lot of this during training camp when Ron, completely out of order in my opinion, uh, discussed publicly that players had come to him to complain about Eric Bieniemy. Um I, you know... There's a lot of what I'm reading about Eric Bieniemy that I actually like, and it's part of me would back him and say to hell with everybody else. How many games did you guys win the last you know five years? You know we're we're changing things up. We're working late. We're staying late until we get it right. I think more of the criticism about Bieniemy would be just about the results and about the style of play, which there's been some criticism among players about that as well. This is going to be a big focus if we spend some time on this tomorrow, which we will. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, wh- the one thing you learn about Josh Harris, based on what I've read so far, is that th- this decision at the trade deadline, you know, first of all, came about after they lost to Philadelphia. Right, You go back to if they had somehow, before the trade deadline, beaten Philadelphia, um, which was the game you know played right before the trade deadline on October 29th, um, and they didn't. They lost 38-31. They gave up 28 points in the second half. They, you know, they turned the ball over. They, they didn't challenge a key play in the third quarter when Devontae Smith you know, didn't make a catch on a fourth down play with Washington up 17-10. to 10. That was a crucial play in the game. Uh, they threw an interception. They challenged a play, remember, on Jahan Dotson's catch after New York had called down to say it wasn't a catch. So there were a lot of things that went on. But if they had won that game, I don't think that I'm positive, you know, and even in reading this, Montez Sweat would not have been traded. I think Chase Young, they were going to trade regardless. I think they couldn't wait for the trade deadline to get rid of trade uh, Chase Young. In fact, we've talked about this before, and I have not read this in this story. I, I'm not so sure that they wouldn't have taken almost anything for Chase Young. Uh, that was their mindset. But um, Josh Harris was not you know, uh, demanding or didn't reach out to suggest. Now, in the conversations about it, he did suggest that he'd love to have more draft capital. And you can take that suggestion, you know, as a new owner is in and, and you've got a new boss as more of a mandate, but that's not necessarily the way it was described. But anyway, lots to get to. Um, I did want to just play real quickly before the end of the show. Tariq Hill was on RG3's podcast, correct, Denton? Yeah, I was with RG3. And he said this about Santana Moss. And let me go. Let me go Santana Moss. That, that's my top five, hey, man. My man says Santana Moss. <laughs> I don't know why. I, a lot of you. I was a fan of Santana I, I Moss. Santana was, was my guy in, in Washington. So I didn't set that up the right way. Uh, he was giving his top five, I guess. Favorite receivers? No, this was his top five receivers all time. 
That was of just all how, time. That was dubbed, yeah. Who were the who were the top four? Uh, there was Antonio Brown, Jerry Rice, T.O., Steve Largent, and Santana Moss. It's like an eclectic oh, wow. group, yeah. Wow. Um, there you go. 89. 89 was a good player. He was a really good player. Would have been nice had he had really good quarterbacks all along. Um, Santana Moss had a really good career here. All right, we're done. Chris Russell next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.